Want to be a part of the conversation? Then let us know on the TNT Radio interactive live chat room at tntradio.live. Lighting the fuse for freedom. Today's news talk, TNT Radio. This is the Dean Mackin Show on today's news talk radio, TNT. Welcome. Hope you had a terrific day. This is the Dean Mackin Show on today's news talk, TNT Radio. G'day and welcome. Hope you had a terrific day and whatever you're doing at the moment, uh, I hope it uh, pans out well. And for those of you just waking up, have a coffee. Have one for me. I would absolutely love it. Thank you, Chris Smith. We appreciate you very much. He'll be back tomorrow, same time. Uh, We'll be talking to Gemma Cooper imminently, Simeon Boykov, a.k.a. the Aussie Cossack. And my guest this hour will be Matilda Bolden. Now, she is a forensic social worker with a former National Secretary of the Whistleblowers Association of Australia. We're going to be talking to her about the NDIS and uh, her experience with their investigations. Uh, Certainly from her point of view as a forensic social worker, I'm very interested to hear what she has to say. And that will be happening just a little bit later this hour. Now, did you remember the term, you know, if you went to school as I did, and I know many of you are in you know, an approximate age group to where I am, but listen, um, the word scab. I don't know if you had that word over in the UK. We certainly used it here. It was, you know, somebody that likes to um, just take stuff, just come and, oh, mate, can I have that? Can you spare that? Yeah, I'll have that. You know, that guy, that kid at school, the kid that would come up and ask you for the second half of your sandwich every day, not demand it. You know, that that's a bully, someone who would just ask you for it because they, you know, couldn't sort it out for themselves. Well, Vladimir Zelensky, you know, he reminds me of that word, scab. He's out there scabbing, trying to get some free stuff, a bunch of free money, and he's prepared to beg. And boy, is he going to beg him. He's over in Washington at the moment, waiting to speak to the boss, one Mr. Joe Biden, and he's going to beg for more dollars, and not just millions, but of course, b b b billions. The way we used to talk about millions, we now talk about billions because it doesn't matter. It's just numbers on a bit of paper. No one ever has to pay it back, do they? Yeah, they do. Unfortunately, the kids. And they'll be doing that. They'll have no country and we will have squandered it all on things that either didn't exist or things that were none of our business or on problems that we created, albeit real or otherwise. One of those problems that America is well and truly behind creating, and it's been welling up for about 14 years, is over in the Ukraine. And um, I'll tell you what I'll do, because we're running a little bit late today, I'll touch on that a bit later. But I want to tell you what Vladimir Zelensky is up to over there in America, trying to get billions and billions of dollars, trying to convince Joe Biden to uh, go and do all of that and take more money off the American taxpayer who are in trillions of dollars of debt. It is beyond horrific. Now, for all of the latest community news, events, rallies, marches, festivals and fundraisers happening near you, then visit the What's On Events calendar on the TNT Radio website. We'll help you to stay in touch here at TNT Radio. Rick Munn on TNT Radio. There was a a statement that I saw last week that I thought was quite interesting from one of these uh, web spokespeople, the World Economic Forum spokesperson. And one thing that she said that I thought was quite interesting was she said, you know, um, there has been a little bit of a tail off with people buying into the vaccine narrative. And she blamed that on people like us spreading so-called missing disinformation. She said that climate change was a little bit too much of an abstract concept for 
people to really grab and get their heads around. So that's not really taking off the way they want to either. And then she said something very interesting. She said, you know what? When the water crisis comes, people will understand that because it's simple and everybody needs water. And if you don't have water for a few days at a time, you'll know all about it. So maybe, you know, we're hypothesizing a little bit about what's, what it's going to take to grab people and bring them back on board again with a World Economic Forum type narrative. Could this be what it is? Locked and loaded with Rick Munn on today's News Talk TNT Radio. Military families often sacrifice precious time away from loved ones while serving our country. And for those with children, the separation can be especially difficult. We were worried that with him leaving, that she would lose those connections with her dad. Some of life's best moments happen between parents, children, and the pages of a good book. United Through Reading provides that connection. You can watch your mom or dad read a book to you, and it almost feels like they're really there. We ensure they remain a consistent, meaningful part of their children's lives, no matter the distance. Just seeing Jacob recognize Daddy again after a long time just melted my heart. And now, as we're facing greater isolation from our loved ones, United Through Reading is also available to veterans. Learn more about United Through Reading and download our free secure app at unitedthroughreading.org. Today's News Talk Radio. I do a lot of streaming radio. I do a lot of free streaming. TNTradio.live. And welcome back to the program. We're going to get right to it because over in the UK, you people are very much in lockstep with all of the problems that we have here in Australia. Our politicians succumb to the same global puppeteers and hence forth everything we talk about in Australia tends to be the same over in the UK with the exception of these uh, climate protesters who glue themselves to the road. We don't have that many of them, thank God. And you, Les Cameras, but apart from that, we're certainly much, uh, very much in lockstep. And to tell us about what's going on in our collective worlds today, we've got Gemma Cooper. Hey, Gemma, how are you going? Yes, very well, Dean. It's Tuesday. We're rocking on. The week is moving forward quite quickly. And I was just thinking yesterday we were talking and um, I, I have got a kind of apology as well. We were talking about school holidays um, and you were saying about kids in Australia <clears throat> getting six weeks off at Christmas. And I was like, how is that possible? Six weeks. And then, of course, you dropped a little nugget into the conversation, which only dropped with me when I was driving the car later on. You said, well, it is our summer here. Summer. <laughs> and I thought, oh, yes, it is. <laughs> I thought it completely passed me by because well, I'm so obsessed with the cold, dark winters of, of the UK. I can't imagine summer anywhere else, but of course you're quite right. It's summer in Australia. I'm supposed to be a news journalist. I don't know how that one passed me by. <laughs> it was funny. I, I let that slip because you were surprised about the six weeks. And then you said, and we get six weeks or whatever. And I'm like, okay, I'll just let that one slide. But yeah, summer is summer and um, the best time to have your uh, six weeks off, isn't it? Absolutely, and uh, it's just because summer is Christmas, and that I can't I can't quite marry the two yet. But uh, you know, I'm doing a lot of work with you guys in Australia. I'm going to have to kind of shift my thinking into Australian thinking, <laughs> which is not a bad thing at all. Not a bad thing at all. That's not bad. When we have Christmas Day here, it's uh, a barbecue by the pool. You know, as much as we love to see Santa and the reindeer and the snow and all of that, and we don't really get to experience that at this side of uh, of the uh, year. But it's funny because in New Zealand, there are certain places you can go to in December and January, and they can ski at the top of some mountains there because they're so far south. So a little bit different, even though they're, they're kind of in our part of the world. But yeah, it's 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 interesting. 
It is interesting. Well, I brought a very interesting story to the table this morning because normally I bring breaking stories here from the UK. But uh, in the last hour, a quite extraordinary story has broken from Japan and it, it, it's, it's trending on everything, it, all the big news outlets and socials everywhere. Um, and it's an extraordinary story of bravery, actually. Um, the, the headline is that, uh, that a Japanese court has, has just in the last hour found three ex-soldiers guilty of sexually assaulting a female colleague. Now, you would think, okay, that's a, a case that's been brought to court and the court has found these guys guilty. But it is a landmark case for all sorts of reasons. Um, and the main one being is that the defendant herself uh, attention to this case last year by putting the whole thing in all its gory detail, very quite distressing actually, on YouTube. Now, wow. normally when you bring an allegation of sexual assault to the courts, you have a lifelong right to anonymity um, unless you decide to waive it as, as the victim, which yeah. is what she decided to do. And it, it turned the whole case around. Now, Japan is a, is a country that is very male dominated. 70% of sexual assaults and rapes go completely unreported because women there feel that they've got no chance against the legal system. But this woman, she was a soldier. Uh, she alleged a case of sexual assault against three of her colleagues who, um, you know, they pushed her down onto a bed. August 2021, sexually assaulted her. She reported it to her superiors. They said there's no witnesses, so there's no witness testimony. We're not taking this any further. Um, eventually, three men were referred, referred to the prosecutors on suspicion of indecent assault. They again dropped the case due to lack of evidence. The poor woman, her only dream was to be in the Japanese military. She said she felt destroyed, but something inside her, she thought, no, I'm not going to let this lie. And she put it out publicly last year. And it changed the entire legal process. Uh, they decided to prosecute in March uh, as on the strength of this testimony that she put out herself to great public acclaim, actually, although she did get death threats as well from people in Japan. But they reversed their decision and they have found these men guilty. They've had a suspended sentence awarded to them today, but I think it is a sign of something we do touch on here at TNT. We talk about an awakening. We talk about a spiritual shift. It's not just a political shift it's a, or a socioeconomic shift or, or, you know, it's something deeper. And we also talk on some of the shows about the rise of the divine feminine, how the female energy is rising up around the planet to kind of come in balance with male. And I think this case today, which has just broken in the last hour, really illustrates that. This woman is incredibly brave. It was an incredibly a big gamble what she did um but it has paid off and it might pave the way for other women in japan now that have felt historically too frightened to come forward to revisit some of their um sexual assaults and rape cases and see if they can pave the way for further prosecutions my hat is off to this woman her name is rena gonoi and i think she deserves a kind of a salute from other women around the world who may have been through things like this and haven't had the courage to bring it forward fair play oh. to her Absolutely. The one thing that I can't help but take away from that is that these three guys were found guilty and only have a suspended sentence. I don't think that's nearly enough. But as you point out, because of the culture over there, certainly a step in the right direction. Yes, a step in the right direction. I've never been to Japan. It is a quite a, a long haul, but I do have a friend, a, a male friend who goes there a lot. He was into 
martial arts and he fell in love with the country and its culture and so many things about Japan are wonderful but he did he has said to me many many times it's not great for women over there Jim I have to say it's not great for the Japanese women you know even he could see that going over there through western eyes and a western filter and he said actually what's interesting about Japan is more and more women are deciding not to get married there is a has historically been a high level of domestic violence in that country within marriages and a lot of women now are turning their backs on that and not having children uh, which is interesting for that country because they have an aging population and people aren't having kids to pay for the pay for them uh, so it is a country that is shifting and i think this story this morning illustrates that shift is happening and of course a country a country that says no to mass migration so their numbers will will be dwindling they haven't propped them up artificially they need to have some sort of culture change and they certainly need to encourage the native people of japan to go about their business and you know and procreate i mean as blatant as that is they need to do it it's a terrific country i love that they've maintained their culture and certainly none of us would even think about calling them racist solely because they want to do that i think it's terrific that they do that i think it's wonderful but they do need to keep their numbers up one way or another but certainly uh let's hope that they can do that uh via natural means i hope that organically what has happened today grows. I hope that the judges and magistrates over there learn to give appropriate sentences where guilt is established. Let's hope that happens. But as you pointed out, Gemma, a step in the right direction for women over there in Japan. Absolutely. Very much appreciate you coming on. We'll do things a little bit differently today. Of course, Gemma will be joining us again next hour. We're going to go straight to Simeon, the Aussie Cossack Boykov. How are you, my friend? Oh, fantastic. Thank you very much, Dean. Good to join you once again. Mate, sorry for a little bit of a different schedule today, but, mate, technology is what it is, and we, we roll with it. Mate, what would you like to uh, start with? Well, today? speaking of technology, uh, technology is advancing quickly, and sometimes it can't keep up with itself, but the government's always reacting to people, influencers, social media, journalists, independent journalists. And I can see at the moment in Australia the government is going for an all-out attack. It's a two-pronged attack against uh, social media influencers. So with the misinformation, disinformation bill, they will crack down on what people are saying online, uh, but also to cut off any income streams that social media influencers have online. Yeah. Uh, the ACCC, Australian Consumer Commission, has uh, embarked on a mission uh, to crack down on what it calls social media influencers uh, who are uh, d having disturbing trends with misleading content in terms of selling things and promoting things. Now, it sounds like this doesn't affect everybody, but when you when you look at key social media influencers in the country, if you can take out, take down the top 100 people, and that's what they do, they debank them, deplatform them, uh, take down, ban them from PayPal, ban them from Stripe. It's happened to me, for example. And they will they will demonetize any aspect of your work. So this latest government campaign is uh, coming about at a very crucial time on the eve of the misinformation disinformation bill. More than one hundred online content creators have been reviewed by the ACCC, and out of those one hundred, eighty percent have found to have posted something that raised concerns now it's okay when the government misleads you it's okay when yes. uh the health department new south wales health or queensland health or vic health misleads you but uh if someone gets wrong online and they're influencer well they never claimed to be uh, an official source of information people tune in to listen to social media influencers because that's the choice they make and it's just uh downright offensive to the australian consumer the people who choose 
to get their news and information and entertainment from social media, you should be able to. It's not up to the government to regulate what people say because social media is just an extension of what used to be banter in the pub or banter in the back of a taxi or banter at the bus stop or banter uh, just on the street when you're walking around when people used to actually communicate face-to-face. That's been replaced now with communication online and it's effectively uh, modern-day book burning when the government is putting such restrictions on what people can watch, read or listen to online, which reinforces the importance of TNT Radio, because if it all goes pear-shaped, if everyone gets taken out or taken down from the major platforms, and what they're looking at now is a a national sweep of influencers posting on online platforms such as Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, and Facebook, I mean, those platforms are already very, very restricted. They already comply with what the government tells them to do, and you'll find yourself very easily and very quickly at the receiving end of sanctions, banning suspensions, if you're involved in talking about anything controversial, literally any criticism of the government, criticism of government policies, criticism of elections, criticism of government health policies, you'll find yourself in trouble. Now, the ACCC says that uh, most the most identified issue being uh, that influencers not disclosing brand sponsorship or paid partnerships uh, to the audiences. Well, why should they have to? Do I see Ray Hadley on 2GB uh, starting every segment, admitting to the public who's sponsoring him before he does a piece promoting a service, a product, or someone's persona or political party? Of course not. So why does the mainstream media not have to disclose who they're being sponsored by, who they're being paid by? And they're going to crack down on teenagers on TikTok, right? That's a bloody disgrace. It's a double standard. It's hypocrisy. And... Uh, the C says that influencers need to be held just as accountable as traditional bricks and mortar uh, stores uh, if they were to uh, place a misleading sign in the window. Well, I disagree with that completely. Yeah. I mean, if you're online and someone is selling you something or promoting something, there's no way you can control that. There's no way the government can control that. Just another way for them to cut the oxygen off to that emerging market of independent journalists, social media influencers, because that's now, Dean, where most people get their news from. People just simply, they don't bother logging on or going in and turning on their TVs and switching on the news at 6 o'clock like they used to 10 years ago. Remember the good old days, you'd watch The Symptoms at 5.30 and then you watch Brian Henderson at 6 p.m. 80% of Australia would do that religiously. And then you watch watch today tonight at 6.30. And that's that's just the simpler thing of the past now. And Simeon, you know, the good old days and what people tune in for is the unique opinion of individuals who they follow. And despite the fact that people such as yourself have been demonetized, costing them hundreds of thousands of dollars over time, the fact that you were right doesn't even buy you some bonus points moving forward to say, well, we 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 did that, we got it wrong. Not only shall we compensate you for all of the lost money, we'll give you some bonus points because we got it wrong. But no, won't, that won't apply to you, but it'll certainly apply to the government, to the mainstream media, to spin their fake narrative, no matter how many times they get it wrong. And even worse, no matter how many people die as a result of them getting it wrong. And the last three years has been a testament to that. Simeon Boykov, aka the Aussie Cossack, mate, it's a, it's a weird old world that we're living in. I don't know 
how we got to where we are, they would have you believe, especially you, you know, as somebody of Russian heritage, they say, oh, Russia, the worst place in the world. You won't get your opinion out there. I would suggest the exact opposite is true in this bizarro world that we're living in. We can't say, I don't see Vladimir Putin putting out any uh, misinformation bills over in Russia. We certainly have them here. And all the people who are right, all the people who have had a history of getting it right are those who are being targeted. And that is why I am uh, particularly concerned. At the end of the day, when you speak about what's allowed in Russia, what's not allowed in Russia, uh, there is a very old classic Soviet joke in that regard. So Nikita Khrushchev, it's the 1950s, late 50s, the uh, Cold War is in full swing, and the Soviet Premier Khrushchev is uh, talking to the American president. And the American president says, in America, we have true democracy. Any American can stand in front of the White House, point his finger and say, down with the American government. And the Soviet Premier looks at him and says, well, you know, in Russia, in the Soviet Union, we also have true democracy. For example, any Soviet citizen can stand in front of Kremlin, point his finger and say, down with American government. <laughs> I love it. Mate, I'm going to point my finger and say down with the American government because Biden is absolutely, mate, they got Biden, they got people like Fetterman beating Dr. Oz. They're mad. You can't blame the politicians. You know why? You've got to blame the people at the ballot box who put them there because they don't vote for who they like, they vote for who they hate the least. And unfortunately, we've proven that time after time. And if you're going to do that, you've obviously got no respect for your kids or your grandkids because all you really want is a better outcome, a safe country. And I think that's all that us conservatives are going for. We don't want to argue. We don't want to fight. We just want a, a society that we predict will be livable in decades to come. Wouldn't that be nice? Uh, wouldn't it be nice if Australia just went to the way it used to be in the good old days where people used to set up a, uh, a cricket pitch on a, in a cul-de-sac using a wheelie bin with a tennis ball with electric tape, wrapped in electric tape, and all the neighbours would come out for a game of cricket and it, that doesn't happen anymore. There's a lot of things in this country that don't happen anymore. And it's going the bad way. It's going down a dark path. It's going down the path of the globalists. And it's eroding those old Australian values. You know, they can't even define these days what Australian values are. When the uh, the Citizenship Amendment Bill was up for discussion last week, uh, there was a problem in Parliament. No one knew how to answer the question. What are Australian values these days? The values that we hold, that we held, in, uh, when we were young, when our parents were growing up in Australia in the 60s and 70s, it's an absolutely, uh, completely different set of values that the Australian government, the very heavily left influenced Australian government, and not even left as in the good left of the trade unions and the wolfies and so forth uh, of those days, the anti-Vietnam War movement, but the degenerate left, which is unrecognisable, <laughs> the degenerate left and they are the ones who are now trying to rewrite what Australian values are. Unfortunately, I don't know what it's going to take, but it's going to take a serious, massive change for this country to uh, wake up to itself. We've got all of the opportunities out there. We've got all the resources. We've got all the land. God has blessed Australia with a beautiful uh, country. We've got plenty of iron ore to sell to China, to everybody else. We could be selling uranium to Russia. We could be selling meat all over the world. Uh, but unfortunately, we chose we chose the path through our leaders to follow the Americans, to follow the globalists off the cliff, and we really should not be doing that. We have every chance in the world to do good for our country, 
So let's just see what happens in 2024. 2023 is about to end. We thought 2022 was bad. 2023 was even worse. Who knows what's going to happen next year? But I can't see anything exciting on the horizon. Uh, we'll have to just prepare ourselves. And one of the best ways we can prepare is to start listening and start uh, watching and start taking your information from those sources which the government is trying to prohibit you from listening to. If the government says, don't listen to something or don't read something or don't watch something, there's a 99% chance that it's you something should be. you should be looking at. Yeah. You should Simeon, be looking at that. Simeon, I've got to get to the headlines, mate. You've hit every nail on the head. You almost brought me to tears when you spoke about, you know, getting out there with the neighbours and getting the cricket cricket bat out on the cricket pitch and having firing up the barbie. And these days, what are our values? Whatever the Labor Party and the Greens tell us they should be, unfortunately. Mate, uh, I look forward to our chat tomorrow. Got to get to the news headlines. Everyone, Simeon Boykov, a.k.a. the Aussie Kozak, here every afternoon and, of course, on Saturday evening at TNT Radio. Back after the news. TNT Radio News. Big news. Matt Boyland here with a quick look at your TNT headlines. Washington has defended its decision to block the UN Security Council from calling for an immediate ceasefire in Gaza, saying the White House will never support a complete truce so long as Hamas is alive. A missile has struck a Norwegian flagged ship in the Red Sea, causing a fire on board. And a senior Ukrainian commander claims Russian troops are now attacking Ukrainian positions on all fronts. Acknowledging the situation in the country's east remains difficult. Don't miss a thing. Be sure to download the TNT radio app from either the Apple App Store or Google Play so you can easily listen live to us anywhere, anytime. Available right now to download. Keeping you up to speed on TNT radio. And welcome back to the program. Thank you to those of you in the online chat. A couple of people, I think, having some uh, difficulties with the streaming. You can always, uh, if we're having some video issues at the moment, you can always have a listen to the audio. But, of course, we will fix that imminently. I do promise you that. Uh, Matilda Borden, B-A-W-D-E-N, is my next guest. Uh, she's a forensic social worker and a former National Secretary of the Whistleblowers Australia. She's the founding member of the Community Linkages, Inclusion and Innovation Centre, that's a mouthful, and Matilda was the extensive uh, experience specialising in complex compounding psychosocial barriers, including child protection, homelessness, poverty, hoarding, squalor, and disabilities, and today we're going to talk about uh, the NDIS, and I just had a bit of a joke with her in the commercial break saying, we don't have nearly enough time, don't get me started on that. And yeah, we, we have, we've only got half an hour, and we'll just scrape the tip of the iceberg, but we'll have a good go at it, won't we, Matilda? Thanks so much for inviting me, Dean. I really appreciate it. An absolute pleasure. Now, with the NDIS, as I was going to tell you off air, I mean, I work in in um, uh, a lot of public venues providing entertainment, have people that work for me that, that do that on the weekends. And I meet some of the best people you, you'd ever want to meet through the NDIS. And so some people so deserving of the care. We've got one wonderful woman who's been coming to one of our events for nine years. She's got a wheelchair that resembles a bed. And the smile on her face, you know, when when she asks somebody to get up and sing for her and they do that, it's worth every penny. But then you get other people who rock up there with their carer. I can't tell which one's the carer, which one's the carer. They are both equally as able as each other and uh, their mates and you know i mean i see it all the time there are rorts well we're not allowed to talk about um you know carers having a really good um affectionate close relationship with uh, their participants that's not allowed in the system uh you know we can be adversaries but we can't be collegial we cannot be on an equal footing and you know obviously like the person that you were referring to you know i was taught um the 
the psychosocial model of working with people with disabilities and um, it was called social role valorization back in the day when people were being deinstitutionalized, right? Yeah. When they were coming out of the institutions, what did people with disabilities back then teach us? We don't want to be um, um, second class citizens. Yeah. We want to be your equals. We want to be able to sit at the pub and have a drink with you. We don't want you to be our doctor, our nurse, our therapist. We want to be out in the community. And yeah. uh, that, that's always been the, the, the framework from which I've always practised. Yeah. But I mean, that's not a no-no in the system now. We're yeah, not allowed to do that. It's crazy. I mean, I don't have to play by those rules. And yeah. every person with a disability, you know, I know them all by name. I do two disability gigs a week uh, where I deal with these people. They are wonderful. I know yeah. them all by name. I come up, you know, either give them an appropriate handshake or a hug if they sure. want one. Exactly. And they're just, they're wonderful people. They've become friends. And it's terrific to see the ones who are really deserving but being now, looked after. If you, if you give your client a hug when they see you, then you have a an alleged inappropriate relationship with them. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, this is this is how stupid the system has got. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it, it, it just beggars belief. We're, we're constantly running a gauntlet. And, you know, if you have the Quality and Safeguards Commission come down on you, for example, you know, uh, you get a accused of all sorts of stupid things really yeah. um you know if you're if you're in the system long enough you'll get, you'll get accused of something yeah. um but you know th those are the examples of um apparently inappropriate relationship if you actually give your client a hug and half the time your client will ask you for a hug because they don't get human contact it, it's just you your intuition I mean? you know the people you can tell some yeah. people have a disability they're very like don't go and don't come near me i'll have my boundaries i've got my space <laughs> and you just know who they are Absolutely. and the other ones are the ones who you know you can't help but go up to them with open arms and they love it and, and they Absolutely. become friends they, they get inside your your head and your heart and it's totally. terrific we had a, a situation where a woman who's not on the ndis who is uh, the girlfriend of a a fiance of a, a mate of mine and but she has recently become quite disabled she now has a walking stick she was up there dancing and apparently she sat down at a table that wasn't marked as reserved at all i i, I worked there every week i didn't know they had reserved tables she was tapping on the table with her walking stick to the beat as was a person with a disability who was playing the drums at the table her carer had a go at it and said you need to learn your your boundaries and that's highly inappropriate some people just have oh. no sense of people no. do they or no sense of fun i know i know and that's the that's the real challenge of working in this system is that you're constantly running a gauntlet of somebody from outside or somebody observing something <laughs> and taking it out of context or yeah but i mean you know it's the nature of the game yep. and, and i think you know i've gotten i've been in the system long enough to be thick-skinned and hard-nosed not to be bothered by that but i know that young support workers who are coming through the system they take a lot of things to heart because they're so new but you know it is it is the way it is yeah, it is i mean I've, I've got to admit some of the younger ones have been actually some of the better ones that, that i've seen they've been terrific you know they engage but uh, it's wonderful because i see far more deserving people than i do undeserving people on it but yeah, I mean, don't get me started on Southwest Sydney and what's going on out there. And surely that wouldn't be that hard to keep an eye on. It's like, for example, you know, if you see a guy driving a, a two hundred thousand, you know, dollar secondhand, you know, Ferrari, for example, how hard is it to have the ATO 
anyone that's got a car that has a market value of over $200,000, you correlate that with their last taxable income or their taxable income over the last 10 years. And if they don't have a taxable income, maybe they should have a look at that. And I dare say that might have uh, shut a couple of people down in some parts of Sydney. Anyway, sorry, I, I had to do that. It was really grating me not Mate, to. I'm with you. I'm with now, you. You, you have a thorough understanding of this and from a, a far uh, more broad uh, aspect than I ever will. So what is what are some of the things that, that you've been having problems with with these investigations? Oh, my goodness. What, what <laughs> we're invest- about. I think I've had more investigations than I've had breakfast. <laughs> it's not <laughs> funny. Um, and, and the sort of stuff that I've been investigated over have been so beyond stupid. Um, and, and fortunately, I mean, I haven't actually been found guilty of anything. However, I was required to allegedly apologise for an email I sent about COVID uh, and COVID mandates. Um, that's another story altogether. You, you can look it up online. I've got my rebuttal to uh, the yeah. Safeguards Commission position on mandates and vaccination programs, which they were trying to jam into every single private home as well as, you know, uh, the residential facilities. We won't even go there. That can be the subject of submissions to the Royal Commission uh, on COVID. But, um, yeah, these commissioners will take absolutely any complaint from anyone. I don't have to know you. I don't have to know the nature of the relationship that you might have, let's say, with a family or with a particular participant. I don't have to know you from a bar of soap. I can just pick up the phone and go, I'm not happy with Dean. I think Dean is taking advantage of this client, blah, 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 and give him a story, whip something up. I can even go anonymous and they'll investigate. They won't investigate anything. And it it gets to the point of so absurd. I mean, you know, for example, one of the things that I got investigated over was um, stopping um, six children from being removed into state care, into foster care by the Child Protection Services when they didn't deliver. They went after this family horrifically, absolutely horrifically abused for about four months. And in the end, um, I sent them a very firmly letter questioning their conduct on this particular case immediately after i sent that letter they closed the file but they went and reported me right wow. for keeping the family together that's what i got yeah. punished for uh, it, <laughs> well, it, it, they didn't find anything wrong but i mean as you heard me say i mean we're living in bizarro world everything is down. the exact opposite of what it should be Thank common you. sense went out with either the dodo bird or at least, you know, flared <laughs> pants and sideburns. It's gone. It's history. It's now uncommon sense. And if yeah. only there was a way to measure that, like there is an IQ apparently, and we only had people with common sense, in the bureaucracy there would be no bureaucracy. It would just be a very finely tuned machine that we could all work with. Well, mate, I would have thought, you know, keeping a family together, a family of eight that were almost destitute, almost homeless, uh, they had to flee after a house fire and they got dumped in this horrific, horrific place uh, at the back of Wingfield Tip. Uh, Child Protection Services come in, you know, knock down the door, accusing them of all sorts of stupid things, none of which they could corroborate, none of which Mm. were true. And when I called them, oh, incidentally, they wanted me to be their hired gun to help them remove the children. And when I refused, that's when I got punished. Wow. Um, and you would think the system would say, hey, great work, Matilda. You kept the family together. I mean, they're doing great now. They're doing great, you know. It's <laughs> um, excellent, by the way. Kids are going well to school. Kids are going to school. They weren't before. You know, they're getting good grades. One graduated who didn't even well, like school and he graduated with really good marks. Um, so you would think that I would kind of get a, you know, pat on the back and, hey, well done, keep keep up the good work. No, no, I get punished. I get investigated. I have months and months of email exchanges and all sorts of accusations. And it's like, it's truth. Like, when you didn't do anything wrong. And then here you've got this commissioner 
uh, who can just kind of um, see why, eh? So, and, and Matilda, that's why we need people exactly like you uh, for a couple of reasons. A, you have a tremendous intuition and common sense. B, you're advocating for the best possible outcome despite the bureaucracy. And here's the thing that I just noticed. I just came back from my son's school awards. I'm going to do a proud dad thing here. He just uh, popped his class, got first in three things, got a principal's award and um, what's the ANSTO, you know, the you know the nuclear people got a science award for top top male in his school uh, from them. So, and I saw the same pride that I've exhibited all afternoon. I saw it on your face when you just told us of those outcomes that you'd achieved. And that's Thank why you. we need people such Thank as you. you. Uh, Matilda, hold that thought. We're going to be back after this commercial break that we need to get to. And we've got lots to chat about here on TNT Radio. We'll be back with Matilda Borden after this. I said, could she die? And the doctor said she could. It was so scary. When I started clawing at my neck and trying to breathe and I thought, you know, what are we going to do if I die here? <laughs> How's everyone going to go on? When someone's gravely sick or injured in the bush, they rely on the Royal Flying Doctor service. But now the Flying Doctor needs your help to fund vital medical equipment and supplies. Please search Flying Doctor online to give a regular gift of just $10. You can help equip the Flying Doctor's teams to respond to any emergency anywhere. Search Flying Doctor online. Become a part of the Royal Flying Doctor service and help save lives in the bush. The impact of a meal goes well beyond feeding our bodies. Because when people are fed, futures are nourished. Everyone deserves to live a full life. And with your help, together we can end hunger. Join the movement at feedingamerica.org slash act now. This is the Dean Mackin Show on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. And welcome back. I am with the wonderful, and she really is wonderful, Matilda uh, Borden, we're talking about uh, the NDIS and many aspects of that. She is a former National Secretary of the Whistleblowers Australia. And that's something else I'd like to talk about. I've had a bunch of champions on here and uh, intergenerational at times with uh, the son of Dr. William McBride, the man who noticed that a, a particular morning sickness drug, thalidomide, was causing babies to be born. And his son, David, works here as one of our announcers. Oh, wow. And there you are as part of the <laughs> National you. Secretary of Whistleblowers, Australia <laughs> or former. I think it's wonderful what you people accomplish. Thank you. That's very kind of you. I mean, you know, we're always running the gauntlet of being uh, in trouble with somebody somewhere, some establishment <laughs> figure. Uh, where, you know, I've got two commissioners that I've been uh, reprimanded by and defamed all across national media, but why stop there? I'm sure I can find another two or three besides. <laughs> and Matilda, it's true, isn't it? I mean, I remember the first time, you know, I got in trouble or the first time I started doing, you know, national talkback radio and I had a caller that wanted to have a go at me, the first one, you know, when I started being myself. And, and, you know, the, the pulse ran up, the blood pressure, you know, got up and I was a bit nervous. And I put them to the back of the queue. Are they still there? Oh, I'm going to have to talk to them. And it wasn't so bad. Then another one. After a couple of months, I looked forward to it. I loved the conflict. I love these people because they, they're always typically ones who get it wrong. They want to put out this this voice. And it's quite cathartic. 
to have a crack at them, isn't it? I enjoy well, it. I love it. If, if your listeners want to have a look and, and find some amusement, um, when the Quality and Safeguards Commission came after me because of my comments about COVID and cautioning my um, colleagues about, um, I guess, um, approaching infected people or sick people and then going to visit clients in their own homes. Uh, this all made national media a couple of years ago, what, 2021. But uh, anyway, the Quality and Safeguards Commission wanted me to apologise to the people I sent this email to. Oh. Well, I, at first I thought, hell, you can go, you know, stick it. Yeah, I'm yeah, not yeah. going to be apologising. And then I thought, nah, reconsidered. I did actually offer them a po- an apology, but not the one that they planned. So I, you can read it on my website. I, I'm picturing it might have been a bit of an Elon Musk to his advertisers moment. Of late, and I, I'm going to look at it. and you can go and whistle I'll... Dixie. <laughs> and and if you if you're going to tell me which codes of conduct I broke, well, here are the ones that you broke. <laughs> oh, sorry, you, you and I are going to have to catch up for a drink sometime. We, yeah. we 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 could talk or not. I mean, yeah. I mean, I remember going back after getting sacked to National Talkback Radio just so I could put out my opinion, which was very rare in you know in mainstream TV and radio about you know this this new. Uh, vaccine that was coming out and safe and effective. I didn't think it was. And I spoke to a bunch of people who didn't think it was either. And I was about as popular as a fart in an elevator to some of the uh, managers at that particular network. But you know what? That just encouraged me to go on. And, you know, when you get those results and you have good outcomes for people and as per your that look on your face before with that family, there it is again, you're just proud as punch when you know you've accomplished the right thing, regardless of what imbeciles think. We don't care what imbeciles think. We don't care what people that don't have an IQ or don't have uh, a proper opinion think. And it doesn't have to match ours because no. sometimes you and I can be wrong. But what exactly. I'm saying is when you know you're right, you know, don't you? Exactly. You just know. Well, you know, I mean, when, when you've got, um, you know, social workers from child protection services trying to recruit you to their side and then you go, nah, thanks, thanks, but no thanks. Um, and then they go and punish you this way. It's sort of like, okay. Um, at first, of course, you know, you, you got kind of freak and, you, you know, you sort of fret and worry, did I do something wrong? What could I have done wrong? What could I have done better? But then after a while, you go, no, just being gaslit here because keep the family together. Thank you very much. <laughs> it, it, it's very much like Star Wars and, you know, Darth Vader trying to recruit his son across to the dark side. Yeah, exactly. It really is. Exactly. And they will reward you, reward you if you come across and, and maybe second get... And if you second guess yourself once and you're prepared to sell your soul, you know, that becomes something, it becomes a part of you. It becomes who you are. If you do it just once, Locally. you are well on the way. And, but I mean, all the strong people, that's why I love whistleblowers so much. I think they're terrific. And uh, there are whistleblower awards, which I only just became aware of. And we've had people, uh, you know, from overseas who have now had to flee to Australia living here. And But the wheels turned very slowly. I mean, it was more than a decade on before some of these people get their awards. But people are starting to recognise, and especially whistleblowers need to recognise, that the bulk of the public, we've got your back. We're, we're on your yeah. side. And But what really annoys me is if you have any kind of legal problems and you, you need some help with funding, oh, places like this GoFundMe will wipe anybody who's right now, just like they wiped anybody who was right as far as exactly. their opinion over the last three years in regards to a certain medical procedure. Exactly. And, you know, these these commissioners that, uh, you know, put prohibition orders out on you and, and punish you and, and all this sort of stuff, you know, um, 
they know that they've got taxpayers' funds to fund their legal oh, yeah, right? They, they, they bankroll right. to millions, right? You and I, we'd be lucky to, you know, scrounge around, you know, fifty, sixty thousand dollars to put on the table just for the first hearing yep. or to get some legal advice. And they know that. You know, it's all stacked against you. Uh, and the reason I got involved with whistleblowers in the first instance was because of something that happened to me as a young social worker. And I had no idea what was going on at the time. But anyway, look, it's it's long story short, and you'll find it on my website anyway. Um, but what I discovered was um, there's this thing called a scheme critical list. Uh, and it goes to all the judges and all the tribunal members and all the commissioners everywhere uh, in, in the entire country, not just in this state. But it's a, we, we discovered it here in South Australia yeah. you know, 20 odd years ago. And um, something is called scheme critical if there is a, quote, significant financial or legislative impact. Right now, this has been mentioned in the parliament here in South Australia. You can look it up in Hansard. But basically, it's a hit list of all the cases that will never achieve uh, success in court. So if you are up against the state, the judge that you appear before will already know they're not allowed to rule in your favour. Wow. Yep. It's already yeah. stitched. And it's so, funny. You know, I mean, I, I say wow, but I'm really not surprised. No, at no, all. exactly. I could have exactly. predicted it, if I'm honest. And I was but, yeah. a young social worker at the time. I, I was green, I was young, I was naive, and I thought, but the law, the law, you know what, you can whistle Dixie with the law because the law doesn't get <laughs> it, right? And, and let's face it, the last three years, all the things that we said, they can't do that. They did it all, <laughs> and they did it worse than we ever could have imagined. But unlike when I was a young social worker, this time when it happened, everyone's going, they can't do that. Yeah, they can. Yeah, they can, <laughs> they, they did, and they shall. And, but they're ramping it up and they're doubling down. Even Indeed. doesn't matter if, if it's obvious you've gotten it right. doesn't matter how much data you get. And I've seen laws where it's written into the law, the truth is no defence. When That's you right. hear the truth is no defence, you know this country or and, any country that has a, has a problem. And that is why they have taken a lot of things out of the courts out of, uh, you know, the proper jurisdiction where there's uh, you know, transparency, there are juries, there, there, there's uh, much more oversight. Um, and they've moved things into commissions and tribunals. So it's out of the public view and they can punish you, you know, behind closed doors and nobody will take an interest in what's going on over there where you're getting punished. Whereas if you could take something into court, you might get a journalist from the advertiser who might just happen to randomly sit in on your case and then report a story. Um, wow. And this is why, you know, a lot of these commissioners, they're just running roughshod. Um, they, can, they can do whatever they want. And it, it's a re protection racket. I'm sorry, but it, there's no other way to describe it. No, in I agree. Experience, you know? I agree. Uh, can I just mention, in 1991-93, and believe it or not, this happened under Hawke and Keating, um, there was a, um, a project called the uh, Accountability in the Commonwealth Public Service. Uh, project and the first report was an exposure draft and then they did a, a, a full report tiny little books uh in fact you won't find them anywhere now right uh fortunately i've got a copy but um, <laughs> on the yeah. whole question of accountability and transparency you know which whistleblowers are so fixated on because we believe in this sort of stuff um there was a brilliant definition of accountability and now in re relation to um tracy mackey you know um the, this particular report described accountability as, quote, not simply providing information or answering questions, but it includes setting goals, providing and reporting on results, and, quote, emphasising the visible consequences for getting things right or wrong. Now, very soon after this report was issued, everything shut down, they stopped printing the report, nothing, as best as I'm aware, nothing ever happened. Yeah. But that was the first attempt that I could ever find 
on a Commonwealth level where there was some attempt to, to look at transparency, accountability, and how would things work? And then it was shut down. Yeah. Yeah, it, it doesn't last long. Whenever you get a good outcome, especially if it's something that suits people that might be slightly right of centre, a little bit conservative, um, and people get excited, I said, don't get your hopes up too high. It'll, it'll, they'll rain down on this. They'll, Absolutely. they'll, that person will, will get ousted. Um, they'll change Absolutely. the law. They always come after it. And until enough people wake <laughs> up and realise that there is a, an agenda at play, and it's in general across the board Absolutely. against common, normal free-thinking, intelligent people who just believe, funnily enough, that this country is our own. Oh, it's not that of the government. It's not of those who control the government. It's ours, and we want to keep it that way for our kids. And until they, you know, enough people realise that, we're in trouble. And do you know the social work profession used to spearhead that? Um, the social workers, you know, that, that saw poverty or, you know, malnutrition or domestic violence or, you know, um, poverty and hardship out in the community. We as social workers were the frontline advocates for a lot of these people, uh, you know, getting them out of in institutions, you know. It was the social workers that were doing so much of that advocacy. And now, by and large, the entire profession has been silenced, you know. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I've, uh, um, I had a request from several students uh, going to the School of Social Work in Flinders University wanting me to be their supervisor and I was then prevented or um, I'm excluded, I'm prohibited from being an, um, a field education liaison officer or, or supervisor for social work students because I've now got prohibition orders for warning people about the mandates. I was going to say, it's kind of like the social media equivalent of shadow banning. You're, you're shadow banned. I mean, that's basically yep. how it happens. I mean, you can't have good people doing the right thing or having or spreading their opinion, can but you? The question should really be asked of what are they teaching new students, new social workers now, and we know, we know, we're, they're teaching them to be part of the establishment. Yep. They're not to rock the boat. They're not to question the narrative. They're not to exercise any independent thought. Yeah. You know and, what I mean? And, and, of course, it's, you know, it's carrot and the stick. If you succumb, you shall be rewarded. And if you don't, get ready for that stick. Oh, and, absolutely. Uh, I think absolutely. it's time. I think it's time, Mat Matilda, that we picked up the stick, the Australian people, those with common sense, and we applied it liberally as they used to do back in the day. I remember being <laughs> in the primary school and it kept me on my toes and I think I did very well. <laughs> I've enjoyed talking to you. You're very animated with your hands as I am. So, no, I love that. I think it's terrific. I think it's very expressive and I've enjoyed talking to you immensely. You. Everybody, Matilda Borden, we'll be talking to her again here at TNT Radio. Matilda, I thank you for your time. So much. Thank you. Thank Isn't she wonderful? I want to break into song. She is absolutely wonderful. We're going to do the news and we'll be back right after this. Stick around. This is TNT Radio.